0: Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordell. The next Catalyst Coaching Intensive begins September 10th. If you're inspired to begin your own coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit shift.us, S-H-F-T t.us U-S, for more information. Your adventure awaits.
1: Hey guys, what's up? I am really excited about this episode because we're going to talk about the science behind crazy and by crazy, I mean romantic relationships. Correct. Yes. And Correct. Noelle, take the wheel. So Noelle basically is the science behind everything I say. Uh, without her, I'm basically just a mumbling idiot. So thank you for being here.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and thanks to uh, all of our listeners. This is the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast. I am Noelle Cordo, and Obviously, John is John Kim, the angry therapist, and today what we're going to get into is the brain chemistry and a lot of the biological drives that are behind feelings of romantic love.
1: Yeah, and I got to say, this is really interesting, and I think uh, this is going to be helpful for so many um, because you know when we f- when feelings come in, when we get the feels, uh, it's very easy for others and ourselves to label ourselves as crazy
0: as crazy yes, that and to assume that like something earth shattering must be happening in your life that right. you feel so completely spun out about you know this random person that yeah. has like you know.
1: Yeah. So pulling the curtain back and showing what is really going on, I think is going to be so helpful. So Absolutely. Right, here, here we go. Let's talk about
0: it. Dive in. So I guess upfront, it's important to note that a lot of what we're going to share with you is based on research and work by an anthropologist named Helen Fisher. She sought to understand these human drives and emotions and has built a career out of compiling all of this fantastic research. So um, it's, it's cool stuff. So I guess really let's start with what romantic love is and let's break it down. What do you think of romantic oh, love? Oh,
1: man, I didn't want you to point the gun at me first because I, yeah. I need to think about
0: that. All right.
1: What is, what is Okay, so what is Noel's definition of romantic love?
0: Well, you know, okay, so, you know, like analytical Virgo over here, I'll mm-hmm. be very textbook about it. Like romantic love is what I would define as new relationship energy. Mm-hmm. It's that feeling of when you meet someone new and you get all fucked up.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, are you finished, are, 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 no, are you? No, okay. no.
0: You now. What's romantic love to you?
1: Um, I, I'm definitely going to go the other way. I, I don't have a textbook answer. I never do. So um, I'm just going to say, oh my gosh, romantic <laughs> love is... Um, it's desire, it's passion, it's the the home seeing home in someone's eyes. it's you know the 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 head on your uh, your chest um, I don't know if, as a man, I don't I don't know if it matters, but but uh like for me, um you know the what is that called snuggling or spooning and all that stuff. It's sexual, it's uh, little notes left you know around it's texting, it's all it's all of that. it's um it's colliding with someone and feeling drawn to them. And uh, man, there's, there's a little bit of an obsession part where you can't stop thinking about them, too.
0: There is an obsession part, and we're, we're, we're going to absolutely get into that. So from a neurobiological perspective, there's a series of things that human beings experience when they fall in romantic love. Let me run, let me run through them, and you can tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Focused attention. Where you just like can't be without each other. Um, magnification, where you like just this person is like you know larger than life. Right. Intrusive thinking, where you can't get somebody out of your head. Emotional exhilaration, which is just like intense energy. It's hard to sleep, where you feel this like torrent of emotion, where you're shy, you're trembling, you're sweating. Um, mood swings, yearning for union with this person. Looking for clues, like replaying songs over and over again, looking for lyrics that remind you of your person. Um, changing your priorities, like keeping your schedule open just in case this person like might call. Right. Um, feeling the feelings of somebody else. You're happy when they're happy. You're sad when they're sad. Mm, yeah. um,
1: well, you know what? I, as you're reading this list down, one can argue this is also called codependency.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Enmeshment, right. Yeah, but, the, but codependency and enmeshment has its roots in fucking romantic love. I mean, so, you know, to a large extent, when, like, all of this stuff that we're talking about today fades over time. This is the early stages. And in a codependent relationship, the, the chemical dynamics that are produced keep people in this unhealthy pattern. It's really fucking hard to get shit done in life when you're spun like this. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And it happens to everyone. And um, we are kind of wired for this to happen to us.
0: We're 100% wired for this to happen to us. And we're wired for it to happen to us so that our species continues. And, you know, to me, like, it's one of the most delicious aspects of life, right? You know, it's like when you get to have these feelings and emotions, and it hits you like a ton of bricks, it might be inconvenient as hell. But like, cool you know you get to experience this you get to experience this torrent of emotions and you know you were all gonna die anyway so you might as well you know get a get a taste of the swirl if you can
1: yeah I think um I, I think you know a big part of life is is I mean if you took romantic love out of your life it what I mean what would what's left I mean, besides, I besides eating and, you know, uh, you know, building your empire and I, you know, I get the, uh, you know, I get also, you know, the, 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 uh, the ability to be creative every day and all that is good. But if you took romantic love out of the picture, it's almost like one of the legs of the table. It just, I think that life would be very wobbly.
0: Absolutely. And you really can't discount the fact that, yeah, we're humans and we experience this elevated consciousness, but ultimately we're animals. Yeah. And we're experiencing the brain chemicals necessary to for our biological drive to kick in. you know like we're not the only animals that experience this kind of stuff like monkeys, foxes, penguins Yeah do
1: like, you, but do you think um, you know monkeys, foxes and penguins they don't have um, society and shoulds and they don't uh, beat themselves up if you know a relationship doesn't go well, they don't have self betterment books. So I wonder, do you think that, you know, if this is how we're wired, do you think that we're actually hard on ourselves because of, you know, what we think love should look like or what we read about?
0: I, I'm going to posit that we can't really examine the interior lives of penguins because we just don't know, but they're very cute and they pair bond for life and they follow each other fucking around, sure you know, they, yeah, absolutely. like my absolutely. little sister yeah. calls her husband, her penguin, because he like follows her around the apartment day in and day out. So it's like, you know, I don't know what those little guys are feeling, sure, I, you know, that's true. Right. um, I think that they probably do experience the same biological drives. I think where humans get tripped up is that, you know, we don't come with instruction books. And so all of this stuff that we break down when we talk about the brain chemicals behind our emotions, we're subject to them. We don't analyze them and we assign meaning to them based on magic or, you know, whatever stories we've been raised with about society and love and how we're supposed to be and you know you fall in love and there's the prince and the princess and there's this concept of of happily ever after follows um this you know crazy romantic feeling and while that's great what we're actually experiencing is like a roll of dopamine and you know it'll probably last for about four years good luck everyone and, and, we'll and, get into
1: that. But. Why, yeah, let's get into that. Why four years?
0: So across the board, when we're looking at um, all different kinds of animals and biological responses and sexual response, everything that happens to us from a neurobiological perspective is designed so that um, whatever animal it is can produce and raise healthy offspring. Baby elephants and giraffes can get up and walk right away. Humans can't. It takes about four years for a tiny human to become relatively self-sufficient. And so four years is the traditional state of um, human pair bonding. That is the most common time frame that people are married. Most divorces occur after four years. Humans are notoriously um, serially monogamous. And it seems like they go through these four-year relationships, and they have another baby, or they separate. Um, and I, I know this is like pretty, pretty like broad, but right. when you look at the the trends worldwide, those are the trends. Um, and you'll notice that siblings are often four years apart because you, you know, you get into a relationship, you have a baby, and then like you either split up or have another baby.
1: Right. I wonder if this is why uh, many people say. Three years is kind of a make or break.
0: It it could be. And, And that stuff has like really grounded roots. We know that there are a lot of like different things that contribute to it. So when I was doing the research for this podcast, I was really floored that from an anthropological perspective, the more deeply intense and verbal a relationship is between two people the more um, you uh, you physically grow and light up the part of your brain that contributes to pair bonding. So if you have a really deep, close emotional relationship, you're more likely to extend your chances of pair bonding beyond four years.
1: Mm. And so do you think that bond is just a uh, uh, – is it nature or nurture? Is it something that is um, – you know, is the connection from just the energy and dynamic and the chemistry or is it something that is built?
0: I think it's both.
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: I think it's both. I think the, the, the chemistry and the inclination has to be there. Um, you know, there are definitely like other factors, like durable social resources, and, you know, liking somebody and the way society is set up and the way families are set up and, you know, standards and expectations, you know, like, I hear a lot of people say, like, I'd like to leave my relationship, I'd like to be in a new relationship, I'd like to experience a different human, but I've made a commitment. Mm -hmm. So our social standards often keep us in place
1: right well and then also there is our story so the other piece of this is everything that you've been through all the hot stoves that have burned you um, you know the fears that happen a lot of times people sabotage a lot of times people are afraid and then there's also the I don't know if I'm good enough or if I deserve this
0: yeah I mean that comes into play like so much and and I think you know one of the traps that people get into is that they might ignore intuition or ignore biological urges, or take their their personal story or their personal narrative and let that trump their you know their true intuition or true chemical response. Because the way our brains and bodies are designed is to go out there in the world and find people who are good genetic matches for us on psychosocial and emotional levels. And like, your body doesn't lie, like your intuition doesn't lie, you know, so but but your mind does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your mind sure does. Your mm. mind says, you know, like, oh, well, I've always wanted to be with somebody that's, you know, five foot two left handed, green eyed, right. you know, engineer. And if that person doesn't show up in front of you, you might, you know, you might miss it. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Man, I gotta say, um, me being a therapist and helping others with their relationships and dissecting them, and you know, talking about all the things that I talk about, like non-negotiables and stuff, how, that all that stuff has only made me confused, more and more confused when it comes to me and my personal life. Because there's so, there's a piece that is just you know analyzing and trying to uh, process, trying to figure out you know how much of it is you and your story, and how much of it is them and and sometimes it's almost like, like, I am so heavy with that these days. I want to just rip off that suit and I just want to close my eyes and feel it. And if it's there, if it's, it's there, and if it's not, it's not.
0: I mean, that's, that's, that's honestly like the smartest fucking thing you can do.
1: Like, just like an animal, you know, just like yes. what animals do.
0: I mean, you have to get into your biological body, you know, and yeah. like, all right, so like, let's talk about sex. Like, you know, like sex is so primal and so natural. And if you take away all of the psychodynamics, everyone would be having the best sex of their lives, but they're not, they're thinking about their bodies. They're thinking about the lighting. They're thinking about, you know, what is this person thinking of me? Their experience level, you know, whatever. How do
1: I, how how do I please them? Yeah. Techniques and sizes and shapes and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Like, like it, it, it all plays in our, our conscious you know, evaluative thinking mind really gets in the way when it comes to this stuff.
1: So I guess the next question is, what do we do? You know, how do we start uh, loving going on to, you know, the journey of romantic love in a more pure, honest way? I don't know what the word would be. Uh, Something that is less confusing, maybe?
0: Oh, I don't think we're going to get to less confusing anytime soon. But, you know, I am sorry. I, you know, I think, I think on one level, it's important to understand, you know, and this goes for all things, whether we're talking about love or depression or anxiety, is to understand that like feelings aren't facts. And when you're experiencing a feeling or an emotion, it is coming oftentimes from some sort of chemical reaction in your brain. So you have to understand like the drivers of it. So here's a great example. Um, with romantic love, one the, the brain chemical that goes completely bonkers for 12 to 18 months is dopamine. right. That's why that first year when you meet someone or those first months or weeks it's like insane, out of body, out of control is I, because
1: I didn't know it was 12 months. that's actually a long time. That's a great great shot. Months.
0: Yeah, right. And then you know you fucking get pregnant and you raise the kid for a year and then your four years is up. It's awesome. Right. Um, so no, but like so so your brain front loads dopamine. That's the same. That's the same thing that um, ecstasy does. So mm. like literally, you're it's a fucking addictive drug and your body starts rolling. You know, it's like you get tingles. You get that. That's dopamine. That's what right. fucking dopamine feels like. Your serotonin levels go down serotonin is your mood regulator serotonin is your calm calm functioning you know like let's chill this body out your your stabilizer yeah exactly and so your dopamine goes up your serotonin goes down your cortisol goes down and all of a sudden that means that you're you're open you're exposing yourself to more risk-taking behaviors You know, so that's when you have these ideas, like, yeah, sure, you know, I'll go for a motorcycle ride, I'll jump off a cliff, like, I'll follow you up a cliff, that sounds great. Like, So you have to be aware that, like, as you're experiencing these dopamine rolls, it feels great, and you might be inclined to say, this is obviously magic, but...
1: I just want to say real quick, if you're going, if you can stand up for penguins, I'm going to have to stand up for motorcycles okay <laughs> motorcycle rides are okay sorry go ahead.
0: I love you so much I'm never getting on your motorcycle ever.
1: <laughs> well 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 I we can't both be on the motorcycle because <laughs> if, if something happens who's gonna who's gonna you know who's gonna <laughs> make shift uh, dominate wellness and everything that we, we all the dreams that we have one of us okay. has to be alive <laughs> at, at all times so yeah <laughs> that time. would that's the only reason why I don't watch you on my motorcycle because we can't both go down
0: <laughs> that's fine <laughs> that's
1: Totally fine. Or, or I, would, I would buy a sidecar and you would be in it with the scarf and the goggles.
0: No, I don't want to do that either. Okay. <laughs> All
1: right. You, so you'll be in the Uber. I'll be in the motorcycle. Okay, moving yeah, on.
0: That, that works. That works. So, you know, like understand your biological urges and like know what they're about and right. try to like approach it with some semblance of awareness, I guess would be my best. And know yourself you know, like, know, know your patterns. Like, if, if you're a serial monogamist, like, be aware of that. Like, it's, you know, it's hardwired in you. Right. Um, if you are feeling a really strong drive towards someone, okay, well, I'm probably experiencing that shit because this person might be a good genetic match for me. Am I interested in having kids, yes or no? Should I be paying attention to this? Um, so, there's there's a lot kind of mixed up in
1: it. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I don't, and I don't know, I have no idea what I would say tomorrow or next week, but right now at this point, um, you know, like if I was just to think about um, where I'm at in my life and all the experiences I've had, I've kind of come full circle where it's like, yes, there's healthy and there's unhealthy. I mean, there's even love addiction and there's, you know, of course, patterns and all that, but, I think sometimes we have to you know sh- uh, shake it or you know like, like just kind of start with the blank canvas, be a student to love, be very curious. and uh, you know, stop putting so much weight on what you think uh, is healthy and unhealthy. because if you think that you are uh, loving in a way that is unhealthy, then there's judgment behind that and then you're gonna feel like, oh, you know, I haven't grown or I'm defective and all these things. and I just feel like sometimes we should just go with what we feel. Um, and explore that and see how, you know, and see that how that makes us feel and if we like that or not and without judging ourselves.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And so um, Julie, one of our team members, sent me um, an article to pitch for this week. It was I think it was for for it was for some sort of women's publication. Mm-hmm. And the the topic was why do women self-sabotage in relationships? And this can go for men, too. So why do people self-sabotage in relationships? And the premise kind of pissed me off because I was like, you know, when we're talking about self-sabotaging in a relationship, we're making the assumption that who's ever in the position of self-sabotaging has to be performative. That attaining a mate is the end goal, and that I have to modify my behavior, myself, my soul, in order to get and/or maintain this person. Mm. And I think that has ties to everything that we talk about with authenticity. You know, we have put so much emphasis in society on keeping and maintaining, at, like almost a partner out of you know status or on paper, that we've we've stopped being ourselves. We've stopped actually analyzing, like, what the fuck makes a day in and day out good with someone, and is that working for me, versus, like, how do I need to behave in order to look, speak, act, do, to keep this other person fucking happy, so I have this box to check off and, like...
1: Right. You know, um... And it's funny because I got that same thing from Julie too, except I fell for the trap. And I was like, oh, I'll answer this. And I answered oh, it. Oh, really? But did you <laughs> answer? I, I, I like that you questioned it. I like that you were like, hey, you know what? Um, I don't even like this question. You know, yeah. it, it it opens a can of, of worms and all this. I I think the other factor is... Your definition or our definition of love changes depending on um, where we're at in our lives. So, like in my thirties or early thirties, I was all about the picket fence. I was all, you know, I thought love meant, you know, the the wife, the kids, the you know, the matching, you know, whatever BMWs in the driveway, whatever. And I, my definition of love today is very different. Um, I'm now a lot more open to. just new, new definitions and and what love could look like. And before my, my definition was very firm. Like the lines were very straight.
0: I know. And how fucked up is that? You know, like think about it. So I used to have that, that same definition of love. Like, Oh, I should, you know, grow up, get married in my early twenties, remain married to that one person for the rest of my life. Like be a mother. Mm -hmm. You're 44. I'm 37. I do not think that way anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. like
0: there's a whole big fucking world out there and life is pretty huge and delicious. And if I had maintained that, um, I guess, vision of life that I had in my 20s, my life would have been so small. Yeah.
1: But here's the thing. But if you're, you know, if you are, uh, I don't know, in your 20s or 30s and you still have that definition, that's not wrong. I mean, that's where you're at. And that's what you, you know, that's what you're going toward. Um, I think it changes as we change. So whether it's age or life turbulence or, you know, whatever it is that we go through, I think our definitions of love, they're always changing, you know.
0: And I think think that that's natural and honest and realistic, except that people aren't willing to have those honest conversations with their partners as they come up. They feel like they have to continually stuff themselves into boxes. And I think that's what keeps us in business as relationship coaches.
1: <laughs> mm,
0: yeah. We, we, <laughs> right. We'll, we,
1: will of, uh, as as we will never be out of business as far as we will never
0: be out of business. I have a quote for you that I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's that, you know, when you lay out all of the tenets of romantic love, as we've been talking about with these biological urges and chemicals, it's not that romantic love is an emotion because we tend to think of it as an emotion, what it actually is is a hardwired motivation system. Mm.
1: That's that's not that romantic or sexy, but okay. No, <laughs>
0: no. And, and the whole point of it is to enable a suitor to build and maintain an intimate relationship with a preferred mating partner. Right. So, you know, like, I hate to blow up the fairy tale, but when you guys are all out there with these dopamine rolls thinking, like, you know, my world is crashing because I've experienced this incredible crushing love. It's actually an internal motivation system that's trying to get you to procreate. Mm.
1: That's really interesting. Um, Yeah. So what would you say, um, let's give people, I don't know, a theme, let's give them some direction, let's give them um, a rudder, a way to go. What do you think with love and dating and romantic love? What are, What are like? I don't know. Three or four things that that uh, we can pull from this conversation and, and remind them of.
0: Oh, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think that's it. It's like I'm subject to it just as you are. Yeah. Like, you know, like what, like. Well, then maybe you, it.
1: maybe it's that it's okay to not know. Because a lot of people, if they, don't, if they feel like they don't know, they feel that, that they're defective or they're unlovable or they don't know how to love or all those things.
0: I think you're right. I mean, I think that's the overarching message, I think, is that this stuff is really complex and confusing. Yeah. And it's something that we're all out there striving for and looking for and hoping for. And, you know, it, like going back to feelings aren't facts, you know, like if, if you're so here's here's another really cool fun fact. So, like the the expression "brokenhearted," mm-hmm. that's a legit chemical state. Just as when you fall in love with someone, your dopamine goes to the roof. When a relationship ends or you experience unrequited love, it okay. actually induces a mild clinical depression. Right. So, like those feelings are fucking real, yeah. and it's not like something that's wrong with you. It's you're 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 experiencing your given biological urges in a very physical way and it's part of your humanity and there's something really cool and primal and natural and about that being connected to the earth and all others i guess
1: do you believe that um a heart being broken or you know uh, the stretching of a heart or uh, the the pain and hurt you get from, from romantic love and, and the love that not working out do you think that only makes us um have the ability to grow uh to love harder or love more or not um is, well, it, is it a muscle
0: I no sense? it's I'll give you the straight up clinical answer it lasts from it, it lasts from 24 months to 4 years depending on the verbal intensity of the relationship. So the the more verbally intense your relationship was, the longer your heartbreak will last. And if it was more of a surface thing, you might get over it pretty quickly, but it can extend, you know, 12 to 24 months is like standard so and that's a long time you know people are, are back out there they're dating but they're yeah. kind of like rolling with a little bit of a handicap sure. the good news is is that bodies and brains do naturally heal and your chemicals will restabilize mm-hmm. so just like you know I, I tell all my d- divorce recovery folks like give yourself the two to four years like it's okay if you meet somebody in the meantime and you really like them and you experience all sorts of awesome cool things but like know that our brains take that much time
1: yeah after my divorce i didn't uh date anyone for uh, i mean years a long time
0: that was probably really smart
1: yeah i um yeah and i think that that's uh that, you know it, sometimes it has to be a choice because um when when you're out of a, rom- a rom- relationship especially if if that's what you're used to the first thing you're going to want to do is get into another one very fast
0: Oh, dude, I totally dated like it was a combat sport, and I was a fucking psychopath. <laughs> right,
1: exactly. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, I don't want to judge that, but there are consequences to that.
0: Yeah, there are. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Everybody yeah. in my in that life was pretty nervous <laughs> about what I was up to for right. a while. <laughs>
1: So, but here's the thing, you know, you guys know yourselves, hopefully you've looked back in your life and your relationships and the way you love, and you got to define what worked for you. You got to define what is healthy for you. Um, And I think you should always be open. I, you know, this is a choice. I still believe in magic. I mean, I know we're talking about the, uh, the science behind romantic love, but I still believe in magic. You know, I still believe in the unexplainable.
0: Yeah, I do too. I do too. It's like, it's just, it's helpful to break it down from a chemical perspective because that's how I ground myself in reality. Right. Um, And it's like, you know, it's always interesting to understand how our brains and bodies work, even if we don't know what's driving us.
1: Yeah. So here's the end message, guys. And I'm actually, um, I love this message because I think that it's something we haven't heard in a long time and we need to hear. It's okay to not know. About love. It's okay to, to to not have answers. It's okay um, if it's not a progression, but it's different.
0: Yes. All of it. I agree. All of it. There is are it, no rules. There are no rules.
1: And it's so complicated. And everyone has their own story. And if you tie in all that and your fears and your insecurities and all that, it's just a big, just a, a yarn that is, it's just it's too hard to entangle. Yeah.
0: I mean, well, and I guess. Is like why do you even have to untangle it like just like right. cut 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 the cut the piece of yarn and move on yeah. and just like like sure. cut the tangle
1: absolutely toss the the, the ball of yarn
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> get rid of it
1: right well guys uh thanks for joining us and if you enjoy this dialogue noelle and i um create it almost every week and we talk about not only love but we talk about everything under the umbrella of life coaching. Um, for life coaches, but also you don't have to be a life coach to get something out of our podcast.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you really like what we, um, what we have to talk about, you might like to become one of our coaches. John and I train coaches to work on our platform for our awesome company and um, you know where to find us. So questions, what if, they, what if
1: they don't know where to find us? Where did they go?
0: Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you should go to us. Shift.us is the website, S-H-F-T, and um you can, you know, I, all calls and emails go directly to me, so I'm always happy to hop on the phone with somebody. And I do meet people from the podcast, people who recognize my voice or who love positive psychology, give me a call and just want to shoot the shit, and those are the best. So please don't hesitate.
1: Yes, thank you. And I'm not going to say love hard today, guys. I'm going to say love open.
0: Yeah, love open. Okay, be well. Thanks for listening to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast presented by Shift. If you'd like to learn more about what you've heard on today's show, head to shift.us, that's S-H-F-T dot U-S, for more information. Feel free to rate us, review us, and tell a friend.